thank you for being a friend. Traveling down the road and back again. Yes, I'm here to thank patrons Hedwig, Carlo, and our new friend Tom for supporting the podcast and keeping me in dice and frivolities. Have a probably bad day. Hello and welcome to the Probably Bad Podcast, a podcast which is definitely bad. I'm Pencil. I'm Paper. And today's Probably Bad RPG idea is... The cultists successfully perform the ritual to free the Great Old One before the investigators can stop them. As they don't care about humanity or Earth, the Eldritch Horrors promptly head off into space without doing anything to anyone. The rest of the campaign is the cultists and the investigators sitting in awkward silence. So, maybe... Like, you know, as much as people talk about eldritch horrors being uncaring towards humanity, they do tend to at least be actively malicious. And I think there should be more cases where Cthulhu's just, like, in the town square. Like, he's not attacking anyone. He's just sat there. Like, you might sit next to an anthill. You just, like, hang things off his tentacles sometimes. I quite like this idea just because of the implications of firstly dealing with the cultists who are now no threat but should probably be punished for something Mm. and also people in the 20s frantically rushing to invent space travel I think what it should be is the cultists are the ones frantically rushing to invent space travel Uh, you know so they can go to their god and get it to like do something um and you are frankly trying to invent space travel first and this becomes like an internal war within nasa because half of nasa want to invent space travel to like keep control of it away from the cultists and the other half want to invent it to go find Cthulhu and i don't know slap him until he returns to earth I feel like a fun story would possibly be the cultists having infiltrated NASA. Yeah. And you've got yeah, you've got to you've got to get into NASA and find out which leaders of NASA are cultists. The answer? The president. Hmm. I mean it, it didn't really surprise anyone. I feel most presidents of the USA are probably servants of the great old ones. But yeah, I also, I also like the idea of arresting the cultists and then just trying to work out what extant crime they've hmm. done. Yeah, you yeah. have like got people possessed by shades of the demons between the stars. Uh, does that count as kidnapping? Maybe endangerment? Hmm. Like, I feel like. It's one of those campaigns that no one would play because it would be uncomfortably boring. But I feel like there are interesting campaigns on, like, you know, the legalities of the supernatural. Like, if I mind control you, that should absolutely be a crime. But, like, what what does it count under? Well, that's the thing. Like, there is, of course, the potential of because it doesn't fit under anything else. It coming under the beautiful broad umbrella that is criminal mischief, a real thing you can be charged with. 
These cultists have been extremely mischievous and must be sent to the naughty step at once. Well, the thing is, they kept rubbing their hands together and giggling, mm. which didn't help their case. <laughs> Prison is just the naughty step for grown-ups, discuss. Um... <laughs> But yeah, and like, and you got something like, say, cursing someone, where you have, it's really, like, you've caused them harm, but also it's really hard to say in what way. Yeah, like, can you put it under the general, like, assault? Because assault implies physical harm, which you haven't necessarily actually done. Yeah, like, I mean, like, if I curse you to be hit by a car, that's probably straightforward. But, like, if I curse you so that, you know, everything you say is interpreted in the worst way possible, what what, what have I done crime-wise? Like, libel, maybe? Maybe I was thinking possibly slander, and they're hmm. virtually the same thing. Yeah, supernatural slander. If you possess someone... Could it be argued that you've committed the crime of false imprisonment against their soul? Yeah, possibly. Or, um, I guess arguably also fraud. Coercion? Yeah. Um, and summoning the Great Old One is arguably treason. It depends what for. Although I guess the standard would be to bring down, like, bringing down governments would be a part of the plan. Yeah. Although I do like the implication of I summon Cthulhu just to hang out. Like, the investigators all try to stop this ritual to free the Great Old One, and they fail, and Cthulhu comes out, and they just sit down and have coffee and talk about their days. Well, look, people are always summoning, you know, extra planar beings to do their bidding. But, you know, no one ever summons them just to ask, how are you? Yeah. There's a, there's a move. Next time you use summon monster... Before you send it off to go fight something, just ask it, like, you know, how, how are you? Are you having a good day? I hope you weren't doing anything too important before I flung you through a portal and made you fight at Tarask. Are you up to the fight right now, or do you need a moment? Hmm. Do, you, do you want an energy bar first? I think more summon monster spells should allow the monster to appear just confused mid-buck. Please, I was at my child's birthday, say, before you throw them at the dragon. I mean, didn't I punish you guys once by making it so that, that when you summoned an imp, it was in the middle of its shower, so it was just butt naked and angry? I think you did, yes. Somehow the bit that weirded me out that most is the implication that imps normally wear clothes. I always assumed they didn't. Well, this one did specifically so that it could now be naked. Sounds like an imp thing to do. This is why people like playing with me, I guess. <laughs> Subscribe for more Naked Imp Games. If we ever do make a company, it should be called Naked Imp Games, just to ensure it never gets anywhere successful. But I, I do think it, it's a good way, like going back to the idea, I do think it's a good way to do a sequel campaign. Like, if you fail, it's not necessarily... A TPK, or just like, oh, I guess you lost the RPG. It's okay. Now we're going to switch over into a system that's more suited for space travel, hmm. or possibly try and homebrew some Call of Cthulhu space travel. 
Which would be interesting. Call of Cthulhu has a fuck ton of supplements. I'm sure there must be some sci-fi supplement somewhere. Well, there you go. You just go with, like, full Jules Verne 20s space travel in a big copper ship. Trying to find Cthulhu on Mars. I think if you want, like, if you wanted to make it a bit more, like, still in keeping with the thing, if Cthulhu or whatever great old one just wakes up and just, like, doesn't do anything, is just stood there and is sort of, you know, at what point is it going to wake up and do whatever it's going to do? Like the, it's trapped, but, you know, it's a time bomb to figure out what's going on and what it's actually going to happen. And also then, because you just have everyone going like, ah, Cthulhu's in the middle of the city. You have until Cthulhu gets past his sleep paralysis. Yee. You know, people what does like sleep paralysis demon look like. I like to imagine just a bunch of asshole humans yelling at him to come deal with their problems. That makes sense. Like, and then you wake up and it's real. That's why he destroys the world. <laughs> like, if you wake up and your sleep paralysis demon is still just there, you're going to swing a punch. That's fair. I think, like, you know. You know, people, like, you know, using Cthulhu's body as a resource in some way once he's been there long enough. Uh, and then he wakes up. And, you know, everyone who ate Cthulhu steaks gets possessed. I don't know why they make Cthulhu steaks. Because squid is delicious? Yeah, it turns out Cthulhu's delicious. I mean, imagine the size of the calamari. Hmm. I do weirdly like the idea of a society that's run off a great old one and it's just not noticed because, like, you know, in the same way you don't necessarily notice ticks and uh, skin mites. Skin mites is probably a closer analogy. I like that. Especially because then you could have a whole thing of, oh, the great old one that our society is literally built on is dying and we need Hmm. to find a way to prevent this. You could have a full inverse of you are the cultists trying to, like, stop the investigators finding a way to permanently banish or kill or whatever the great old one. Because, you know, that's what all your power is running on. Oh, I like that. But yeah, so yeah, the great old one is just, Today is just there. Today we cancel the cancellation of the apocalypse. <laughs> I feel this works best if you have like multiple factions and it's just today we're cancelling the apocalypse, they were cancelling the cancelling of the apocalypse, they were cancelling the cancelling of the cancel and so forth. And that's the entire first session. It's just the GM standing there doing saying that and increasingly long. Do it in different voices though for immersion. Yeah. Um after about the fifth one, the players will have left, but just keep going. Well, what if they just got to the toilet? You need to come back. I just, yeah, I really like the idea of this society based around just not a sleeping great old one, but just like one that doesn't really care if humanity uses it. And sometimes it destroys things, but it gives off a lot of eldritch energy. I kind of want to build a system just based on Cthulhu Town now. I kind of want to build a setting based on Cthulhu Town. If we combine our forces. As if we aren't already trying to build an RPG. Yeah, that is true. We can build two. 
How hard can it be? New from Probably Bad Studios, Cthulhu Town. It's all going down in Cthulhu Town. It sounds like a noir, um, noir thing. Oh, that sounds fun. Eldritch noir. Yeah. Yeah, you're, need to do this. you're a hard you're a hard boiled detective in Cthulhu Town, uh human city. Maybe Cthulhu has destroyed the world. But uh the survivors have sort of rebuilt a city around Cthulhu, just, you know, using all of like the Eldritch energy and Eldritch like life that comes springs around him. So it's this post-apocalyptic 1920s eldritch city like noir thing. I think if we've gone from a bad idea to um, inventing a game system, it might be yeah. time to do some questions. Possibly, but also the way you said Cthulhu Town Human City makes it sound like like a Chinatown, but instead of like Asian people, it's just full of squids. I mean, that is also a possibility. Just all the squids live in their own little part of the city, and you got to go visit them. There is an interesting one with, like, because, you know, Call of Cthulhu has all the non-human species, your ghouls and your serpent people and whatever the fuck else there is. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if they're, like, I like the idea of, like, a society, like, a, a world where they've all sort of, like, just, you know, they all just know each other. You can just go visit the deep the deep ones. Well, yeah, I mean, you go, you go to, you know, 1920s New York. You've got, you know, you've got Chinatown. You've got Little Italy. You've got Sneeple Village. Yeah, just, yeah, just yeah. all of the, like, different, like, species were, like, you know, Cthulhu Brights. Yes, there are eldritch horrors sealed in the world, but that's no reason people can't be friends. I just like this optimistic future where we're like drawing energy from the sleeping great old ones and all of the different Cthulhu species work together. And we're building a better world purely because H.P. Lovecraft would roll in his grave at the thought of this. He would. Like... I've created a racially tolerant uh, Call of Cthulhu game where the presence of the Great Old Ones has pushed us towards like a better 1920s. Uh, well, the where thing all is, if diff- we make him spin fast enough, we can then create power from the rotation, mm. like a yeah, turbine. Uh, the big bad of the campaign is the ghost of H.P. Lovecraft insisting you put in more like, you know, dog whistles. Yes. And you got to fight HP Lovecraft, just IRL. Yeah, I mean, I, I would, I would be down for fighting HP Lovecraft yeah. just right now. Like as popular as it was, for those who don't know, he was an absolutely awful person. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I like yeah, just all of the sentient, all of the sentient species are working together. The world is like drawing energy from the great old ones, which maybe is a little bit cursed, but like you know, what can you do? We're going to space. I do kind of want to make this, but yes, we can. We can put it on the list. Now that we have like a setting, which I think is the aim of this podcast, questions. Yeah. Um. Before we do questions, I'm 
moving wow. the plugs into the middle so that more people will hear them. So no. Um, we have a Patreon. If you go to patreon.com slash probablybadrpgideas, you can get access to a Discord server and bonus episodes and homebrew and hanging out with us. We're cool, but our patrons are cooler and nice. And you can also email us at probablybadpodcast at gmail.com. I particularly want to emphasize that because we got a Tumblr message the other day saying they didn't know how to contact us. And I think that that means I need to move this into the middle. Anyway, questions, which can also be emailed to us or sent on Tumblr. That was so very I'll... randomly. I will do better next time. <laughs> I feel it's in fitting with the vibes. Sorry. So our first question is from Crashional Thinker. In all those ARPGs, do you think that somewhere out there is a landfill of all the garbage you sell to vendors? I mean, they've got to put that stuff somewhere, right? I like to think that's where monsters come from. Like, you just throw all of those minor magical items together, and they're resentful over being abandoned and replaced with better items. And just mm. all that magic blurs together and forms into a skeleton. I do like that. It would it would explain a lot. Yeah. Like, all I mean, magical items... Are... That are like, oh, well, this area is full of magic because people used to do magic stuff here and they left stuff behind and don't go there. It's dangerous. Yeah. Like, all magical items are minimally sentient. Like, you know... And when they're sort of all abandoned, just all that magic blurs together and that produces, like... That's why there's so many alpha predators, even though society, even though like an ecosystem won't be able to cope with that many apex predators, is because magic keeps spawning them. That does make sense. It's also why everyone dresses so ridiculously. That's also a side effect of the magic. But yeah, I think. Yeah, so all magical, like, sentient magical items are just magical items which are, you know, sentient on a human level, but all magical items are, like, you know, like, maybe animal level, like, the level of a bird or something. Yeah, like, I feel like, because a lot of them um, are activated with a word, hmm. I feel like they've got to be kind of like an Alexa, they're just, like, always listening. Yeah, like... What not many people know is that um, your magical items are aware of what you think of them. Like, if you're like, well, this is a shit magic sword, it is crying on the inside. And depending on how sentient they are, they will do slightly worse when you use them. I like the idea of just, like, magic items that learn. Like, if you've got a magic sword plus one, say and you use it mostly in mostly aggressively, it'll get, like, more jagged and do more damage. Whereas if you use it mostly defensively, it'll get, like, physically physically more resistant and be better at blocking and things like that. Like, like yeah, minor, minor things like that of, like, if you use the same magical item for enough times, it learns what you use it for and reacts accordingly. I like that because it's again that like Alexa level intelligence of machine learning. Yeah. 
yeah, like, you know, if you're if you're more of a sneaky going from ambush thing, it might like learn to make you harder to see. If you're more of a going swinging, it might make you heal wounds faster. I actually really like this idea. Yeah, I like it. I also like the idea of a magical apocalypse. I don't know why we're getting so apocalyptic today. Um, based on slightly sentient magical items talking to each other and just mm. doing the full-on like AI rebellion thing. There is absolutely an interesting D&D idea with all of the um, magical items rebel. Like, you've got the magical constructs, which are the most obvious ones, but then you've got, like, you know, just potions no longer heal people, magical swords, like, try and attack you when you grab them, just... That's the thing, because the adventuring economy is so reliant on hmm. magic items, potions... Like, yeah, it would take out... Books, like, the spellbooks count? Yeah, I mean, just just like potions turn like you know poisonous, would itself take out a decent chunk of the adventuring population before people figure it out. Especially because people tend to save them for absolute dire circumstances. Yeah, yeah. If just everyone's magical items stop working, that's most of the people who could deal with this problem down in one fell swoop. Mm. And the rest Which would of also kind of by the magical items turning evil. Yeah, which would explain why it's your first level players who like are dealing with this problem, because they didn't have enough math. Because all of the like you know level twenty world savers, they were just taken out immediately when the magical items turned on them. Um, this would be a really good basis for like, you know that that post that goes around that's like starting a D and D game and the DM says like you know there's no magic, there's no fantasy races. But you're still trying to play D and D. Like that is the one reason that this guy would not be a huge tool. Yeah, like, yeah, and you're trying to like, I don't. Yeah, I guess you're trying to like figure out why all the magic items turn on people and how to get them back. Especially if you also had society in general running on magic items. Oh yeah, because the general explanation for a lot of the more modern hmm. stuff in in D D type worlds is oh well it, it's done by magic we hmm. have we have a magical washing machine and magical lifts and all that stuff it's like and then they didn't yeah i feel like we've come with two neat post-apocalyptic campaigns which is why I'm glad this is neat post-apocalyptic RPG ideas as um <laughs> as a podcast. Uh, Don't say yeah. that, or the Tumblr blog will pop up tomorrow. Uh, but yeah, I feel like I do. I do like just all magic items are sentient, and either they eventually turn on people, or they just start learning things. Or both. Or both. There is the idea of. There is obviously the option of they gain self-awareness and that's hmm. why they turn on people. A weird, possibly bordering on some kind of bizarre psychological horror idea is you got your standard adventurer with like, you know, they will have, you know, two magic rings, a magic necklace, magic armor, magic cloak, magic sword, magic boots, magic goddamn everything. Mm -hmm. And while each individually isn't sentient, 
because their magic is sort of like you know slightly merging together um like their set of magical items is now sentient which means if it looks like they're going to remove one or put in a new one or something the set of magical items will start considering that a threat character that is would probably be like mechanically a warforged or something like that but is just a collection of magic items held together mm. by this vague aura containing mm. the body of a dead adventurer yeah. i actually do like that character concept right there Alternatively, contain the body of a still-living adventurer who's just been completely subsumed by the magic items, depending on how horror you want to go. like it. Like, they can still talk, hmm. but they can't do anything, I think, is the yeah, level one. I just do, yeah, you're just, like, are talking to, like, some noble adventurer, and then at the end they lift up their helmet, and there's just, like, the decaying corpse of the actual adventurer in there, and it's just been the armor this whole time. Oh, I meant, like... <laughs> The adventurer yeah. is alive and trapped inside. Yeah. And can just talk. A, yeah. There's just this constant muffled noises and then occasionally <laughs> like the helmet goes off and they're just like, help me, I'm being worn by a suit of armor. I think Ah, the great adventurer, Brian the Magnificent, known for his war cry of Oh shit, help. <laughs> I don't think this answered the question at all, but what was the question again? Uh, do you think that there's somewhere in um, ARPGs where there's a, where they put all the garbage you sell to vendors? Yes. I think the non-magical garbage probably gets some residual magic too. So like all those rat steak, all those like rat beats, they now are magical too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. After, after all of that, I think my answer is yes. 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 Okay. Yes, and it does lead to the apocalypse. Uh, the I'll noble clear light bulb would like to know what our favourite pre-made campaign is. So, fun fact, I've only ever played one pre-made campaign, and it was the Lost Minds of Fandelva. I've only ever played the Curse of Strahd, so I think I'm going to have to say the Curse of Strahd. Actually, to be fair, we have also both played Feast of Legends. Actually, yes, that is a fair point. So here's my argument for why Feast of Legends is the best um, pre-made RPG. Imagine argument number one: I'm putting I my elbows on the table and leaning forward intently. Argument number one: I would like Wendy's to give me money. Argument number two: It's um, you know it's unique. You can't argue that uh, it is definitely a premise that hasn't been done before by RPGs. Uh, to the best of my knowledge. Uh, you know, Curse of Shard, we've had vampires before, we've had, like, you know, gothic horror before, but I'm pretty certain this is the first magically ensuring Wendy's gets a corporate uh, monopoly on fast food in a fantasy kingdom setting that I know of. It's ideal for satire, because, you know, you just stick in whatever fast food company you want, and maybe you have visitors from, like, somewhere else mm -hmm. uh i want wendy's to give me money i don't know if that's been like brought up enough but if i if i compliment this enough wendy's will give me money um and also you know you get to eat in real life while you play it so there we go other other uh, pre-made campaigns you can't 
if you have eaten while playing Curse of Strahd, you haven't actually played Curse of Strahd, you now need to go restart it. So there we go. That is why uh, Feast of Legends is the best um, pre-made campaign and game. Wendy's, if you're listening to this, give me money. I, I like. I feel like there must be some pre-made campaigns I would enjoy doing. Yeah. But what I have found is that they do not account for the absolute chaos gremlins I tend to play with. Yeah, I think my issue with pre-made campaigns is, like, they can be very cool, they can have very cool ideas, but because they're almost by definition quite focused, like, it's very easy to get off the roots. Like, I've been thinking of playing, like, uh, Impossible Landscapes, which is a, a Call of Cthulhu um, pre-made campaign, so we're going back to the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, and it looks really cool, but also it does still have the issue of I am vaguely worried that your that like adventurers are gonna go careening off like the pre-made path five minutes in, and all of the Cthulhu monsters are just gonna be sat there looking sad. Yeah, I've definitely had games where like you know, because the pre-made stuff it puts in a lot of flavor text, and then people naturally want to explore some of that, and you're just there like. I, that's all I can tell you. I have 50 words. Mm. I, like, I can't tell you anything else. Like, I just I'm end quite... making stuff up. Yeah. Because they keep asking and wanting to go places. And at that point, you're not really playing a pre-made campaign anymore. Yeah, I've, um, what have I been? Like, I've, I'm pretty good at improvisation, if I might be smug on broadcast. But, yeah, I think the issue is, eventually you're going to have to start making stuff up. And that's fine. But this is why I generally, because I generally don't plan campaigns very much. I just have broad ideas of what's likely to happen, who the major players in the in the world are, and what their plans are. Mm-hmm. And I generally sort of improv, which is good, because it means that when my players do things... I mean, usually when I say when my players do things, sometimes they still do things that send things wildly off the track. In one of my games yesterday, the players uh, killed the person who was going to be the big bad two s two sessions in. So I've kind of got to like re redo that. But still, it's easier to do that with one you've made than when it's like a pre-made campaign. Well, yeah, because then you just sat there like I have nothing for you now. Go home. Yeah. Because yeah, because yeah, because it's because uh, it's one I've done. I'd be like, okay, cool. Uh, I'll bring in this uh, NPC. Whereas, if the entire, you know, and I think it's also because like you know, it'll be like what, a, like a thirty quid buck at least. Oh yeah. And it's and it's just like okay, yeah. Because um, if you've got to step in and go, no, that NPC doesn't die, even though you got all the rolls. He was um, unconscious. Yeah, which is always a bit of an um, always a bit of a bad taste mm. of just yeah you came with this you came with this great plan and you implemented it and you got all the roles right but sadly you know for sixty pages say no. Um, basically, what I'm saying is, if you use pre-made adventures, you are a scrub. Come fight me. 
Like, unless you're Wendy's, in which I case think you can they work if everyone is a beginner. Yeah. But if you have someone who's played more campaigns, they're going to want to go and do more stuff. Because the yeah. other thing about think... games is they expect you to follow a very specific like hmm. order of events and also to think a very specific way yeah, that I, I think, think a lot of people who are certainly the sort of people I prefer to play with aren't going to necessarily think in that very A, B, C kind of way. You'd like go like yeah. A to D to Z. It's I don't yeah, I even know how to of... describe it. It's it's great fun for me and presumably for them. Unless it's a pre-made campaign. Like I think what I would like more of is essentially and there are some RPGs that do this, pre-made um sandboxes. Mm. Where it's more a kind of, you know, like a setting like book, but more so. Yeah, I was going to say, it seems like more of a setting document than a, a campaign that you could just, like, plug and play. I feel like there's some way to sort of get between the two. Mm. If there but is, this I is not come across it. I will add this to the list of things I shall make. Um, I feel that was slightly more of an actual discussion on gaming rather than nonsense. Um, I tried my best by defending Wendy's, and I didn't even get paid for it. Um, if, if you do want to pay us, like I said, Patreon. Uh, so, that, yeah, that's, I, that's the end of the episode, I guess. Yeah, sorry for the lack of wackiness at the end there. Um, would you like me to discuss why clowns are um, the best D&D species? Like most people call them elves, but they are clowns. Let, let, let's get it back to some nonsense right at the end. Um, I'm trying to think of something nonsensical. Describe the ideal big bad in three words, and then we'll finish. Elf tree clown. Perfect. On that note, remember, and remember to, to have, have a probably, probably bad, bad day. day.